Hey, good people. This is the Confessions of a Nail Tech podcast. I'm your host, Rashida H. Muhammad, nail tech affectionately known as Ra. I have so much to share with you this evening. Welcome. Let's get started. Hey, good people. Nails by Ra here. I hadn't realized I left you all on red for three months. We left off talking about why full sets are so expensive, and then I went ghost. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm kidding, but I'm in graduate school, and the semester just wrapped up, and now I'm back. I usually leave you with 30 to 40 minutes, but today, we have so much catching up to do. So pour your tea, coffee, or beverage of choice, and let's chat. I truly am amazed by how fast time is flying. We are already in the month of May and the year is halfway over. Can you believe it? I know, I know, I took too long during the break and I apologize, but I truly do appreciate everyone who has reached out to me while I buckle down with school. I thank you so much and I'm so thankful for my new listeners. Hey, welcome to the tribe. You may catch up with the conversation in season one where I introduce myself and touch on nail salon topics, but season two, I'm intentional about season two, and it is about growth and applying safety nets to your business. I know the pandemic hit some of us pretty hard, and we're either making a comeback, made a comeback, deciding whether or not to make a comeback, and or undecided, and that's okay. But my hope is that you leave this podcast encouraged and ready to take on the industry. Newbies, I hope you know that this business is extremely lucrative and shows no signs of slowing down because what once was considered a luxury is now worked into society as a necessity, depending on who you ask. (laughs) The nail salon industry. Yeah, I'm talking about this nail care. The nail salon industry exclusively, not including hair, not including makeup, not including barbering, none of that, just nail care, is a $9.9 billion industry on the global market as of 2020. That's right. These are statistics directly from the global market industry research, and that was amid a pandemic and an increase from the 2019 statistic that I shared with you last year, which reported that the salon industry on a global market was worth $8.3 billion. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that says nail care is pandemic proof. (laughs) I will leave the link in this report um, in the description for this episode, just so you can read it. But That was confirmation for me. That was confirmation that this business is only going to continue to grow because there are so many avenues to take advantage of when you're in the nail care industry. So newbies, I don't want you to get overwhelmed, but during your career journey, don't be afraid to step out and take creative chances. And what I mean by that is there are so many opportunities to work under a podiatrist as a medical nail technician, where in this position, you are working under the direction of a podiatrist and you are providing um, nail enhancement. You will be a certified uh, appearance nail enhancement for persons who have experienced issues with their feet. So they're recovering from a foot fungus, they have nail psoriasis, they're diabetics or they're elderly. So you are trained and certified to assist the podiatrist in the appearance of the feet. And That's just one avenue alone I could think of from the top of my head, but it's worth looking into and has job security. You could also meet some athletes, by the way. (laughs) My advice, though, allow yourself time to explore because, again, this industry shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. It's all a part of the journey. Speaking of the journey, I'll share mine because I think I've given small snippets along the way um, in each episode but I never fully give a description from start to finish. I always break it up. Um, There's a topic and I talk about something that's relative to me. But if you've been with me since last year, then you've already heard the stories about how I started and why I started, which, you know, now that I think of it, I'm going to turn that into a vlog on my YouTube channel. 
Nails by Ra is one more subscriber away from getting a personalized link. And that is so important because I like to streamline all my social media. So I'm not a huge fan of um, minus Confessions of a Nail Tech because that's how it all started. But Nails by Ra, the brand itself, I like that to be across all social media. So I'm searchable. And that's important when you're doing your um your search optimization. You want the same thing across all social media so that if you search for me, Nails by Raw will pop up and not some random anything. So that's important. And um, I, I, I'm excited about that. I'm tempted to start pod, video podcasting. I can't remember the term that they call it. Vod, vodcasting, I, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. But I saw uh, Young Nails doing it and I thought, wow, this would be pretty awesome for you all to be able to put a face to the brand. Unless you already follow me on Instagram, I sometimes show my face, but that might be next. I'll, I'll still post it here on Anchor, but I also wanted the background for when I record my YouTube channel, for my YouTube channel. So doing a little bit of cross-branding, I think this might be another project to take on for me, but I'm excited. Now that school is over, I can get back to updating and posting more content for you all. I'm also uh, team iPhone now. So I'm learning how to navigate Apple products because I was a Droid user for so long. And um, I recently did, what did I do? I recently did a full set of nails and I used the time-lapse function on my iPhone. And I, I was amazed because that hour and 45 minutes, I mean, from start to finish, taking off my old set, putting on a new set, shaping, changing the shape. That was an hour and 45 minutes, but the time-lapse function shrunk it to 27 seconds. And I I, I was so shocked. <laughs> I'm looking at the video like, oh, wow. So I have it on my Instagram, at Nails by Ra, and I felt like a kid in a candy store playing with the iPhone video functions. And I, listen, this is all new for me. So if you guys are Apple users and have some tips or tricks, please school me. I need some new video and some good video content. <laughs> okay, 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 look at me. I'm talking your ear off. But let's take a quick break, pay some bills, and I'll be right back with you. I know this is the break right now, but I need you to do me a favor. Follow me on social media right now. At Nails by Ra, that's Ra, R-A-H, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Nails by Ra, that's R-A-H. Also, if you have any questions, please email me with any nail tech-related questions at nailsbyra at gmail.com. Can I be honest with you? School was challenging. Oh my goodness, it was so challenging. Spring semester whooped my tail. It did. I got my tail whooped spring semester. And I, I came to the conclusion, um, and I realized this too, even in undergrad when I was studying to get my bachelor's degree, spring semester was always much more challenging than the fall. And I, I honestly don't know why. But it is rewarding because I finished my first complete year of graduate school. Yay! So if you are just tuning in, I am still a licensed nail technician in the states of Georgia and New York, but I am also pursuing my master's degree in business administration at the Clark Atlanta University. I am class of 2022. Oh my gosh, that's next year. That is just next year. I can't believe it. Time, I, really, I talked about it when I first started. This year has really gone by so fast. And, but, you know, I'm active on social media and I try to be. And do you remember those or those, uh, can't think of it right now, the reminders, the memories that pop up on your timeline? I know Instagram is starting to do it with their stories, but Facebook has done it for a while where they'll show you what this, this day was two years or four years or whatever. And it shows you just how much weight you lost and how skinny you were, or <laughs> maybe that's just me, but I got a little fluffy. But a couple of things popped up in my timeline today. And I realized that this exact day, two years ago, I was planning my exit from the salon. Well, my exit as an employee from the salon. I talk about it at length in season one, but here's the long and short of it. I moved to Atlanta in 2018. I came here with $3,500, no savings, 
two credit cards with about $1,250 each. So I relocated with $6,000 where $3,500 of it was liquid cash and the rest was credit. I didn't have any furniture. My first week here, I slept on the floor and I started to plan. Now, it's amazing that I look back on these things and I'm amazed. I'm, you know, I'm proud of my journey. I own my journey. I'm not ashamed to share that about myself. And these are things that my parents still don't know. Um, when I moved down here, they were terrified. And I came down here because I wanted to be an actress, but that flopped and I changed directions. And that's okay. That's all part of my journey. When I first moved here, I was a substitute teacher. So yes, I was still sleeping on the floor, but getting up to go to work, like nothing was wrong. And I realized I still have a skill. I'm also a licensed nail technician. So I looked for a job working in a salon. And to this day, I am very thankful, but there are some things that I wish I could change about that. So when I first got here, I'm a substitute teacher, I'm a nail technician, I'm a host, I'm a model. I was doing a little bit of everything to pay bills when I first got here. And now that I look back on the move, I realized how necessary it was because I learned what I was made of and I learned how to woman up and take care of responsibilities. I come from a very close-knit family and very seldom did I struggle when I was home. And if I did, it was all self-inflicted. My father would drop anything and everything to help me. My brother would drop anything and anything to help me. My parent, my, 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 my mother, my father, my sister, everyone would drop anything to help me. And then I got here, it was very, very different. I had to budget correctly. I had to take care of myself correctly. You know, just so much happened when I relocated and made myself uncomfortable to now appreciate what I have now. And I'm still not finished, but I am at the point in my journey where I can share and be confident and own what I have gone through in order to be successful. And again, this move made me realize what I was made of. So I was in the salon um, from 2018. It felt like a longer time. So no, I was only in the salon for about a year. No. Okay. So yes, it was a year and a half because I started March, 2018. And I didn't leave until November of 2019. And there were things I realized I wanted to learn more about conducting business that I felt that I couldn't ask the owner of the salon. And I'm, I'm observant. I learned by observation and I observed so much that I wanted to use when I opened my salon and things that I knew I would change once I became a salon owner. Um, this had been a dream of mine since I was a child. I used to play nail salon with my friends and have cute little setups like I'd see my mom, sisters, and aunts do. And I really would paint my friends' nails and design them. And I was at six. This was six years old. So I knew very early in life that I was enterprising. I was an educator. I was a leader. I'm a leader. So now that I'm in the position to be enterprising, educate, and lead, here we are. Those flashbacks of my journey are motivational. They are reminders that I have made progress, but that I am also still a work in progress. And I say this because to whomever is listening, I want you to own your journey. Own your journey. It may not look like mine or anybody else's, but this is what makes your journey important. It's very personal, your journey. Your journey is designed by you for you. And there will be times when you sink and there will be times when you swim. But both times you have to keep your butt in that water and it is all about the way you navigate and maneuver. And today, I'm, I'm going to get into my journey and I hope that by the end of this episode, you are inspired and you continue your path of nail technology. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. spirit of reflection 
And now that I think about my journey and I share my journey with you all, I may choke up a little bit now that I think about it because I've really come a long way as far as the nail industry and being in the nail salon business for so long and then realizing when it's time to take a step back and regroup. And I think that's what I'm currently doing. I'm regrouping. And if you are currently a nail salon owner or you are currently a nail technician or a nail technician in training or a student, understand that there is power in taking a break and there is power in pivoting. And those may be my two main topics while talking about my journey, that it's okay to pause and take a break. That doesn't mean you gave up. It just means you're taking a break. Now, as you know, or if you don't know, I did step away from the salon late 2019. So this coming November, it will be two years since I've worked in an actual nail salon. However, I did stay in touch with a few clients and I kept some clients and was able to do mobile nail salon services on top of just keeping my own nails and feet done as advertisement and to stay sharp because you this is one of those things where if you don't lose it, if you don't use it you may lose it and i certainly like to share that that even if you do stop and take a break make sure you're still catching up on your continuing education courses make sure you are still um, staying active in the arena at some point, maybe not necessarily working in a nail salon, but taking doing what's best for you to stay sharp on your skills. Um, and in that time, my nail tech license in New York State expired. So I had to reapply. Well, not reapply to the entire service, but I ended up um, similar paying the same fee. So for New York State, I think I'll talk about it a little bit. You visit the Department of Licensing as you would in any other state and just renew. So I had to renew my license for New York State just this year and there wasn't an additional fee. Um, I think I paid $45. And then my license in Georgia expires in August. So I will also be going through that too to update and renew. And I said all that to say that even though I haven't physically been in a salon, I have still done things to stay on top of the industry and what I'm doing. I still do the tutorials. I still am actively working with premium nails as far as the products that I've been receiving for free in exchange for tutorials and promotion. That was something that I worked on when I, yeah, when I actually, when I left the salon in 2019, by March of 2020, I had the brand ambassador position with premium nails and that came after I uh, just posted with working with one of their products. Um, they were trying to match their powders with their gels and I ended up working one of their uh, dip powders and I really liked it. It's pigmented, it's beautiful. But that was premium nails and I reached out and that was a journey in itself. So I guess I should start there because I, um, when it came to when it comes to nail technology, I have always had an interest in beautification of nails. And I'm one of those strange people who actually enjoys the smell of monomer and the nail salon, even though you shouldn't be exposed to monomer <laughs> um, at high levels like that without proper ventilation. But I enjoy the scent. I like it. So from age six onward until I was licensed as a nail technician here, that's what we'll do. I just thought about that. I'm usually more prepared and I write things down, but I'm just speaking from the heart at this moment. And I hope that you take notes as well, especially if you are just learning about nail technology or interested in getting into this industry. I hope that you um, consider all of your options and know that anything that you're interested in doing, there is a way to integrate them. And I'll get into that a little later. Meaning that when I was coming up, my parents made sure that, you know, an education was first, first and foremost. But my father always would say to my brother and I, he would say, you know, either you're going to go to school or you're going to learn a skill. And if you learn a skill, you'll never go hungry. And that is very true. 
because when I was an undergrad studying to get my bachelor's degree, I took a leave of absence from school my junior year. And that was in 2011 going into 2012. And I realized that I enjoyed doing nails because in undergrad, you're always thinking of ways to make money. I was working part-time at JCPenney and the commute was ridiculous because if you know anything about Buffalo, New York, you realize that the city's bus system, the public bus transportation system, it doesn't go to certain areas for reasons if you get my drift. It doesn't go to certain areas in the suburbs for reasons or that the routes cut through the inner city and just tries to stay out of the suburbs. So it makes it almost impossible to get from Amherst to Cheektowaga, especially where I went to school, from Amherst to Cheektowaga without either A, spending a lot of money or B, being taken way out the way just to go in another direction. So I ended up quitting that job and just doing nails for my classmates, my roommate, and making some money off of it. So I decided my junior year that I needed a break. And this is important, I, I talk about it, You know, I mentioned it earlier, taking a break is okay, just as long as you don't stop. So I took a break, took a leave of absence from my undergrad because I was overwhelmed that year with school, I had things going on at home personally, and I had broke up with my boyfriend. Like there was just so much, life happened to me junior year of high, of college and I needed a break. So I took a break. I applied to Airy One Bosis and that's a school in Buffalo, New York or Cheektowaga, New York that is a trade school. And I took the nail technology or nail specialty program as they call it in New York State. And I went through 12 weeks of nail salon training and learning terminology and preparing to take the state board exam at the end of the year. Now, this has always been my gripe with nail technology schooling. And honestly, I've heard it across other professions and disciplines as well, that when you are going to school, the instructions and the, the lessons are designed to help you pass your state board. Everything else that goes on in a nail salon I'm going to say you use probably about 15% of what you learn in school, in the salon, because there are just so many unwritten rules and things that you just have to learn by practice. So I took the state board exam, passed on the first try, which I was very thankful for, and I was excited. However, I had a couple of things that were against me. In Buffalo, we are still, uh, we've gotten better, but Buffalo, New York was still a super segregated city, meaning that there were certain areas where there were only black people, certain areas there were only white people, and that area in between where you're mixture. Luckily, I lived in that area in between where there was a mixture, but the city is still very territorial and you just won't see other people in places that they usually aren't. And the nail salon was one of them. Uh, Buffalo doesn't have many, if any, salons that are owned by um, a population other than the Asian population. And that's just true. I'm speaking fact. I'm not trying to push any agenda, but that's just the fact. When I was licensed in 2012, that was the case. There were very few salons that were not family owned or family run. So when I would go into the salons looking for a job, you can only imagine how many salons accepted me with open arms. And so there was one time I, I got, you know, I felt defeated. I didn't know if I should continue to do this. If I wasted $12,000 or $1,200 of my money getting a, a, a certification. So in the meantime, I enrolled back into school. So I got my bachelor's degree. I finished out in school. And in that time, I was luckily, you know, lucky enough to meet with a woman who was opening a nail salon or had opened a nail salon maybe a couple months before I reached out to her. And it was an Asian-owned salon and Black-owned salon. So these are things that once you put the kind of energy and the drive out into the universe, the universe will respond. So if you put it out there that this is what you want, the universe is going to respond and give that to you. And I was at the time where I really wanted to get into the salon. I had already 
done mobile nail salon as my as an entrepreneur and I knew that I wanted you know more money and more clientele better reach so my first job in a nail salon was for a salon called the nailery and that experience was oh what word would I describe That experience was, uh, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to call it. It's not that it was a bad experience. It was certainly good because that, you know, I got my, I cut my teeth in a fast paced, busy salon. I did. And my clientele grew within two months. One of the things that the owner Tia said to me, was if you do a good job, people are going to F with you. And I think I, I mentioned this before in season one, but that is, I held that advice near and dear to my heart because she wasn't, you know, she was very sweet and about her business. And I appreciated that in a business owner. Like I've never had issues with her at all. And I, I looking back on it, I, I probably should have stayed at that salon a little longer because I think I would have learned more from her because she had been in the industry for 15 years before she opened her own salon. And I just thought that was so amazing to see a young woman. Now that I think about it, Tia had to be late 20s. Late, yeah, late 20s. And I just, I think of, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm almost 30. And these are some things that I definitely could have been on track for. But all things happen for a reason. And I am right where I'm supposed to be. So that, that experience was beautiful. That's, that's what was, we'll say it was beautiful because, you know, there were some things that happened that were not so fun and things that happened that were teachable moments. One that stuck out the most to me um, at my time at my first salon was when I first came on as a nail technician. And when you first start, you do want to do things as you were trained. So you have your station set up per the state board guidelines and you have your gloves and you have your trash receptacle and you have all these things set up and then you realize half those things you don't really use you don't use them and um I think that was interesting because I showed up the first day with my my drill and my brush and I was ready and I was the slowest nail technician starting out because this salon had women who loved acrylic nails and acrylic was life. And this is way before we started doing dip powder. But it was acrylic nails and the zero space, the negative space design. And just so much that I didn't know until I actually started to work in a salon. So my newbies, if you made it this far in the podcast, understand that yes, nail tech school is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's fun. But you also have to go out and get that actual salon experience. Now, I'm not saying that all salon experiences are going to be how mine were, but I'm just sharing my story from start to finish about the kind of salons that I have worked in. And honey, that first salon was so fast paced and it was busy. It was great for my pockets because I was 19 or 20 making $35,000 a year. That's a lot of money for a 19 year old. <laughs> okay. And no, no, no. I'm sorry. I take that back. 22. Was I working in a nail salon? My goodness. Now my timeline is all jacked up now. So 22, yes, 22, 20, 20, 22 turning 23. And I was making $35,000 a year just as a nail technician. And I don't mean to say just as a nail technician as if, you know, there's it's lesser than um, skill. But I'm saying that because I also had a degree. And I was making $35,000 before I had the degree. So after I had the degree, I'm like, all right, this is great money. And that's about where I'm supposed to be with a college degree. So, you know, it's great. And then I don't know what made me leave the salon. I did a pivot because I started to crumble under the pressure of what people were saying about me having a college degree, but working in a nail salon. And I thought, well, my pockets say that this is lucrative. I was able to save money. I bought a car. You know, I, I did some great things with that money. I, you know, I paid back my father for helping me get through nail tech school and I paid him back for the drill. Like well, he helped me get started. So I paid him back with interest. And for me, that was really good money. And I was living at home. So my expenses were relatively low. 
So that was always something that I, I held near and dear to me because that was probably the first of many times where I either crumbled and I did. I crumbled under the pressure of what other people thought and said. And I'm here to tell you, none of that mess matters. You know what? I feel comfortable. And hopefully you've had a refill on your drink or whatever drink thing that you're doing right now of choice. So none of that shit matters. I know I, I rarely swear on here, but I say that near and dear because that was something that I, being young, I cared too much about what people were saying. Not what they were thinking, but what they were saying. And my parents were, you know, my father was one. He would um, ask me what my plan was. He was always interested. And I'm saying it like he's not here. My father's still with us. But he'd always ask me what my plan was. What's my plan? And that was something that um, Dr. Thurman, when I took my leave of absence from school, asked me what my plan was during my break. What's your plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? And I'll be honest, I didn't have a plan at first. I didn't have a plan. I was so happy and so in my element doing just doing nails and my skills increased and my clientele grew and these people followed me when I left the salon that I was very happy. That was my element. I was working, doing something that I loved. I was making really good money. I was meeting new people. You meet a lot of people in the salon. Um, a lot of these people are people who want to be pampered and sometimes you have to be their therapist. You're listening. I've had people... Women I just met sit in my salon chair and cry. And all they needed was somebody to talk to. What we do is a ministry. And that was so important to me. So that was my first salon. And after I left that salon, I started my own business. I did. I started Pinky Promise. And Pinky Promise was a mobile nail salon located in Buffalo, New York, where I offered mobile nail services. Now, with Pinky Promise, that was my baby because remember when I said you are going to learn how to integrate your skills and you're going to learn how to make sure that what you're doing coincides with what you've done? So with Pinky Promise, that came about um, from a couple of different sources. My sister, Nichelle, who was an entrepreneur herself, I used to work at, the, um, at a hotel. And we were sitting there talking about businesses that we wanted. And I was expressing that I wanted to do a, a open a nail salon. And I had already had experience working on the business development side when I did my internship during my undergraduate studies. I was an intern for the Erie County um, Employment Opportunity Commission. And the division I worked for was responsible for certifying businesses as minority-owned and women-owned businesses. And I was able to see the back work of it. I was able to work with the Small Business Administration in Buffalo, New York. And I was able to see what, necessary, what steps were in order to create a business, start a business plan, and register your business to get your EIN number and just everything. So I was excited about it because, hey, I had this idea. I had the experience. Let's put some, let's put some work behind this. Let's put this, you know, make this thing work. And so I did. So the business was Pinky Promise. And honestly, when I left the salon, I was out of work. So circumstance burst Pinky Promise. My, no, my mobile nail salon. And that salon, my mobile nail salon, carried me until I landed another job the following April. So I was out of work for maybe a year. Yeah, I was out of work for about a year. And I worked for myself for that year. All of it was under the table at the, at, before I, you know, um, before I incorporated, you know, incorporated the business and made it an, a viable business. But yeah, for a year, I worked for myself and I took inventory because this was thing, these were skills that I developed while working in an actual salon and I applied them to myself. And I think that is so important along the way. Make sure that you are learning and applying what you're doing to yourself. I just think um, sometimes those things are missed when we get into our fits over what it is that we should be doing or what it is that we have done. And you have to focus on the things that you have done. 
and see what kind of skills are transferable. And that's something I'm learning now. I've had quite a few jobs. I've had, if you looked at, if I literally did a resume, an honest resume of the jobs that I've had, I've worked a little bit of everywhere, but each experience, I took something away from it and applied it to nail technology. So during that, you know, after the first salon and I started my business for Pinky Promise, I started to work oh, quite a few different jobs, <laughs> but I was still doing nails. I, I'd done parties. I worked, uh, I did hospice visits. I've done hospital visits. I've done visits for the elderly and also visits for a mom. I did nails for Mother's Day where I would uh, come to the home and do nails and pedicures. And it was just a really rewarding experience. I touched so many lives and that was important to me because it does make a difference. I mentioned earlier that what we do is a ministry and it is because a lot of the people who took advantage of the fact that I was a mobile nail technician loved the idea that I came to them to provide services. Because sometimes you don't want to sit in a salon. And I I took that into consideration too. Sometimes you don't want to sit in a salon. And then depending on where you are, it may be uncomfortable for you. And what I did was I brought the salon to you. I still bring the salon to you. So um, keep this in mind that a lot of the things that I'm saying are things that I'm currently doing as well. So although the business is no longer Pinky Promise, it's formerly Pinky Promise, and now it's Nails by Ra, and I still am mobile, I started this, oh goodness, seven years ago. So these are all things that I've held on to and just skills that I've acquired over the years. And again, I say all this to say, everything that you do, incorporate it, integrate it. Make sure that you are learning and applying it every time. So once uh, Pinky promised, I realized that, you know, I probably should get a brick and mortar, you know, get a building. I got scared. And let me tell you something about fear. Fear can be mind numbing because I got overwhelmed with looking at my overhead costs. I was afraid of the failure that may happen. I was afraid of being one of the first black brick and mortar nail salons in Buffalo. And I was just afraid of the things that I had seen in the industry up until that point for a business owner. And so I paused. I did. I paused. And I took a complete break from nails I still did like my my sorority sister's nails for a while and their daughter's nails for a while and even did the pedicures and such for a while, but they weren't, they weren't things that I advertised openly. They were things where, um, if you knew me or you were a previous client of mine and you asked me, I would do it, but I was not advertising that I was a mobile nail, you know, I was a mobile nail salon. So I paused and during that break, I went on to work for um, a nonprofit organization. And that opportunity led me to um, doing mobile salon services for um, a woman who I've grown to, who is like family to me now. But um, that led me to an opportunity to work on a woman who had suffered from a terrible accident that left her um, paralyzed from the waist down. But that didn't stop her from wanting to continue to keep herself up. So um, shout out to that woman because her story was amazing. But I would come to the hospital when she was still um, in the hospital. I would come there and do her nails. And then uh, once she was able to come home, I would come over and give her a pedicure and do her nails. So that these are things that I really hold near and dear to me along the way. And I really do hope I'm inspiring you and I'm not talking your ear off too much, but I'm just really sitting here reflecting as I share my story about some of the great things that I have been able to do. And it may seem small to you, but it is huge to me uh, because we don't think about those. We don't think about those experiences along the way that might not be as significant as graduating or opening a business, an actual brick and mortar business. But I look at the smaller things that happened in my life, being able to 
go and make sure that um, a woman who was in hospice care, um, she knew she was, she knew her time was about to expire and she wanted her nails done. And she, she said exactly what she wanted for her days, her, her last days. And after I did her nails, they were beautiful and you should have seen her. She was still telling me what she wanted. And she said, all right, you do your thing. You do what you need to do. And uh, toward the end, it was bittersweet because I knew that would be the last time I did her nails. And she was so thankful. The family was so thankful and they were around her. It was just a lot of love, but it was a certain, it was a different experience for me because we don't think about, we don't think about what our clients are going through. I don't know if that's the right way to word that, but it's not something that, that uh, dictates how we do business. You know, it didn't, for example, I don't sit there and market that I am a, um, that I am a hospice care nail technician. I don't, I don't advertise that because that's, I'm a nail technician. So no matter what stage of life you're in, I'll come and do your nails. So I don't think we, um, I don't think I gave much, as much recognition for that as I gave, not get, but not as much that I gave much recognition for that as I probably should have. But it was something wonderful for me to be able to be able to be of assistance to, to people just in their, at their moments where life was being very serious. So this woman was at the end of her life and this other woman, her life was altered, meaning that her standard of living had been altered. But to still want to be beautiful and still want those pampering services meant the world to me. And the fact that they trusted me to do that really meant the world to me. And I think about it now that we really are in a business where we are supportive. We are healers. We're able to take our craft and make a difference in someone's life. Because when I tell you just now I think about them now, it's just, wow, I did that. (laughs) You know, I did that. So make your journey and own your journey. I have no problem sharing anything that I've done and anything that I've gone through during this journey. I'm getting getting all teary-eyed over here because you really never know what your client is going through. And again, I'm reflecting, so you never know. And it, it means a lot that I was able to be, again, be of assistance. So, um talked about my first nail salon. I talked about my first business, which was Pinky Promise. And after graduating and working for the nonprofit organization, and then working for another nonprofit organization, which um, actually I did end up working for hospice, actually, but not in the arena of nail technology. Oh, pardon. Not in the arena of nail technology. I ended up relocating to Atlanta shortly after working for hospice. And I came down here to be an actress. I did. I came down here because while I was in Buffalo, my hand was in so many pots and I was an actress here in Buffalo. I had worked on uh, stage plays and I was in theater community and I had done film. When I relocated to Atlanta, um, I had originally came down here for a film festival and the energy of Atlanta was where I was at the time, meaning that people here were doers and movers. And it was one thing to just say that you were going to do something, but here in Atlanta, people did what they were going to say, did exactly what they said they were going to do. And I appreciated that because sometimes you need that extra push and that encouragement. So I relocated here to Atlanta I uh, quit my job working for hospice. I emptied out my 401k. So that $3,500 was from my 401k. I emptied it out because I I just knew I was going to come down here and be an actress. I felt it. I got bit by the bug to come down here and, and share my talent. So I drove 13 and a half hours in snow ahead of a blizzard from Buffalo, New York drove south through Pennsylvania 
through Ohio, through Kentucky, through Tennessee, and then I got to Georgia. And you guys, I cried my little heart out because by the time I finished through Ohio, because Ohio is a super long state. If you look at Ohio on the map, I don't think it does it justice, but to drive through Ohio from Pennsylvania to get to the end of Ohio in Kentucky, that was probably the bulk of my trip. And when I got to there, when I got through Ohio, I cried because I knew at that point it was too late to turn back. Sorry. I knew at that point it was too late to turn back. And I thought to myself, wow, Rashida, you really just left home. You really left everything. You, you left your family. You left your furniture. You left everything. It's just your car, your clothes, your laptop. And when I got to Kentucky, I cried. I pulled over and I cried. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Hmm. I got to Kentucky and I pulled over and I cried and I never told my parents that because I was scared shitless when I got here. (laughs) I said, what the heck am I doing? I I was equal parts excited, but I was also scared because I'm like, I'm here by myself. I don't know anybody here. The family that I do have here, they're extended family. So they're my godparents family. Um, Even though I never was raised to feel differently, they never raised me to feel differently. They still treated me like their niece. But it's different when it's your bloodline. So when I actually got to Georgia and I got to my little one bedroom, 500 square foot apartment. (laughs) I unpacked my car. I took a selfie in my Damon College sweatshirt. I was smiling. And then I went to sleep. I made a pallet on the floor with a little bit of blankets that I had. And I fell asleep in my carpeted one-bedroom apartment in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was on January 19, 2018. So when I got here, I roughed it. It was hard. That first year, I had a lot of heartbreak. I had a lot of make-or-break moments. There were times where I thought I was going to have to come back home. There were times my parents were encouraging me to come back home. And my father, well, baby cakes, if you got to come back home, it's okay. It's all right. You got to come back and regroup and then come back out. And I was determined to not do that. So when I first got here, I, um, I had already had a job lined up working for Atlanta Public Schools as a substitute teacher. Now, as a substitute teacher, I didn't have any benefits. I was just paid. It was, you know, you come in during the school year. Some teachers prefer long-term substitute teachers. And since I had my degree, I was eligible to do that. And at one point, I thought I wanted to be an educator, working with um, K through second, kindergarten through second grade. And I was making decent money. I was making $2,500 a month. And for me, that was decent because I was making that back home working for hospice. And so um, the cost of living at the time was relatively the same. And I was able to, um, I was able to work and save. And I realized that I wanted to uh, still do nails. So I was licensed. I had transferred my license. I think I talked about that before too. And um, the, the agreement when I started working in the salon was Monday through Wednesday, I would work as a substitute teacher. And then Thursday and Thursday through Saturday, I would work in the salon. Well, I saw how busy it was on Wednesdays in the salon and I was chasing the money. So I decided that only Mondays and Tuesdays I'd work as a substitute teacher. And then Wednesday through Saturday, I would work as a nail technician. And that worked out for me for the most part. And then I was assigned additional responsibilities as a nail technician. 
So, um, <laughs> as a nail technician, I was the lead nail technician. And in my mind, as the lead nail technician, I thought, well, what if I can do this? But I felt like I should be making more money as a nail technician. And there was a whole fallout about that. And I think I talked a little bit too much right now. So we're going to take a, a quick break and then I'll be back. Before we get out of here, I have to do my shout outs because oh, without you all, there is no me. There really is no Nails by Raw podcast or Confessions of a Nail Tech podcast. So I really thank you. So shout out to Nails by Sage at sages.nails. Shout out to Christy Shrimplin at Christy Shrimp on Instagram. These are all Instagram handles. Shout out to Aster Nails by Bridget, AE underscore Nail Studio. And last but certainly not least, Moi Canvas and Miss Gloria Sprager for sure. These women have checked on me during my break. They've given me words of encouragement while I finish this semester and well wishes during school. Now, I know we are virtual and I have never met you women in real life, but I truly do appreciate your words of encouragement and how you check on me throughout throughout the semester and just throughout the podcast. It really means a lot. So thank you. And we're back. Thank you so much for rocking with me if you made it this late into the podcast. I told you I wanted to keep my promise by giving you an hour because I felt like we had to catch up. There was so much that had gone on. But um, yeah, before the break, I was talking about um, the fallout that occurred um, in the salon that I worked in when I first got here to Atlanta. Now, the salon owner, um, I will say this. Her business ethic is unmatched, and um, some of the salon patrons of the salon uh, thought that we were co-owners or thought that um, I was the owner at one point because she had a philosophy where she didn't want to stand out as the owner unless absolutely necessary. So um, that let me know that I did have some leadership skills that let me know that I do have the potential. I have it in me to be able to run a salon, run a business, eventually run a corporation. Um, so when I was assigned that additional responsibility of being the lead nail technician or manager in training, as she said, there was an agreement that I would be paid an additional $75. And um, that didn't happen. And I was looking forward to that because I was facing some financial hardship at the time. Um, things were not panning out as I thought they would. And I was facing an eviction because we had reached a slower point and we reached a slower season. And that usually happens after back to school and just before the holidays. So things slow down tremendously um, in the fall. So spring and summer months are usually our peak months. And then fall and winter, not so much depending on where you are, uh, because I have worked in salons where that wasn't the case, but this one here was much different. So there were, um, there was a disagreement and I let the owner know that I'll have to cut back my hours at the salon so that I could still teach or so that I could start driving for Uber or Lyft. And that was actually my saving grace, driving for Uber and Lyft, because when I first signed up with Lyft, there was a promotion where if you completed 100 trips within your first 10 days, they would give you an additional $1,000. And I needed that money because, again, I was facing an eviction. And I'm, I'm being super transparent right now because these are just the ins and outs of the things that have happened to me on my journey. And I share these so that they don't happen to you. Or if they are happening to you, I'm sharing how I got out of that situation. So that experience struck me that I needed to start making moves to exit the salon industry, uh, working for someone else where I'm not necessarily in control of all of my income, and get into a position where I would be in control of my income. So um, that fallout, because the owner reacted to me 
in a way that was not favorable in my opinion. And I took that to heart. I never let it interfere with my work and coming to work, but I did note that. I kept in the back of my mind that I needed to start to make a strategy, an exit plan. And it took about another six months for me to actually leave. But that fallout let me see her for who she was. And I looked up to her. So it hurt my feelings that she responded to me the way that she did. And it's already tough out here for nail technicians. It's already tough in here for the business, the industry, especially when you are dealing with what you're dealing with. And in retrospect, um, I understood that she was also under a lot of pressure. And there was a salon opening up in the same plaza as, as us. So less than four doors down from us, there was going to be another nail salon, an Asian-owned salon. And there was supposed to have been a clause in her contract that there was a no compete, no compete, no competition, compete. No compete clause. Sorry, there it is. I couldn't think right now. So there was a no compete clause that was supposed to be in her contract and she had her lawyers look over it and that was not the case. It was only verbal. And the um, plaza we had been renting from had changed ownership so many times that it got lost in translation and the new owners thought it was a good idea to have a nail salon, two nail salons in the same plaza. So she was under pressure from that. And then also afraid of losing nail technicians, which had already happened. Um, and then another blowout happened where things that I really said about the situation came out to her. And so she and I had another sit down and I expressed to her, I said, yes, I did. I was venting to the nail technicians about the lack of pay and the responsibility that I had because I was coming into work early. I'm coming into work on my days off. I'm closing the shop, opening the shop, and I wasn't being compensated for that. And then again, I was facing an eviction. I was having my own financial hardship. So in that time, you have to think is it, it's either me or you. And from a business point, if the business is suffering and it's either keep the business afloat or keep employees, they're going to start firing people to cut down their expenses. So that was something I had to look at. And from that moment on, like I had the reflection from today, I took a picture of the day that I started writing my plan to get out. And I actually came across it before because I keep my binder. I keep a binder of goals that I want to accomplish. And I came across it and I just started crossing off all the goals that I had written down. And it felt good because I stuck to it. And I'm going to read it to you. Um, that day, I wrote down, I need to find a job with benefits. I did that. Because when I left the salon, I ended up working for ProMove, which is an apartment finding agency here in Atlanta. And I was there up until recently. So again, after I left that salon, um, I still had a... No, I'm skipping some things. So after the blow up, I continued to work in the salon like everything was fine, but I actually did start looking for another job. Um, I kind of gave her a heads up that that's what I was doing because I didn't want her to be blindsided. And I had hope that we would do better. And then I want to say a week after we had our sit down, you know, the income increased a little bit, but then... After that, we had days where we'd sit in the salon and make no money. We was actually losing money because it cost money to get to work. It cost money to feed ourselves while we were at work, but we never recouped that money. And I thought for sure that even in those days, I would still get my $75 per check or however she wanted to break it down, but that never happened. And so I was still looking for a job. I interviewed for other jobs. I was really so ready to get out of there. And then I got a $400 paycheck, another $400 paycheck. And at this time, rent is, come, rent is getting ready to become due. So I'm stressed. And this is around October. So I stayed around another slow, another slow season. And then I said, you know what? I'm not going through this again. 
And luckily, I had an interview with Promove. I was offered the position and I accepted. So on that list that I had, I wrote, find a job with benefits. I found a job with benefits. I wrote down, started studying to take the GMAT. I did that. And luckily this year, the GMAT was waived because of the issues with the pandemic. And then apply to grad school. I applied to grad school. And by June of 2020, I was accepted into the Clark Atlanta University. So that goes to tell you, write down your plans and crush your goals. So I did that. So now here we are currently. I continued to do nails. I kept a couple of clients from the salon who followed me. And I was trying to respect her policy by not taking clients, but you can't help that. If a client finds you and they like your work, they're going to stay with you. So I accepted them and I kept them. And just to show how loyal I was to her still, even after I had been done wrong, there were clients who were still reaching out to me who had she worked on, who she'd worked on, and asked me to do their nails. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Um, you know, there's a policy that I, I wouldn't, I'm uncomfortable working on. Um, her clients. And that's just professional policy. You know, it's an unwritten rule in the beauty industry. You don't touch other people's clients. And that's just how I was raised and brought up. So um, luckily the client understood and there's no bad blood. She was very cordial about it. But again, that's just the kind of people that you are. So salon owners also take into account who you pour, who you should pour into as an employee. And employees take into account if your manager or salon owner pours into you because that will birth a beautiful relationship and you're a team once you come into the salon. You are a team, you know? So I was still doing Nails Mobile and in that time frame, I um, wrote to the IRS to change the name of the business for my EIN number. So Nails by Ra is a business. <laughs> I have a text ID number, we exist. And um, I came into business school and my platform when I enrolled into business school was that I am a nail salon um, owner in training and the goal is to open up a nail salon and open up a training academy that is attached to the nail salon so that I am educating and training as well as putting into practice. And I know a lot of salons do that. A lot of schools do that. But the school is set up like a school. What I envision is an actual school separately. And then next door is the salon where I am accepting walk-ins. And I am accepting actual, you know, trained nail technicians who are working aside nail techs and training and students. Because I realize the dynamic, it changes, it changes the expectation when a client comes into an academy to get things done because they're aware that students are working on them. So the expectations are different. But my goal is to keep you trained and ready from the beginning. And I'm going to be tough. I'll be honest because that's how it is. I was thrown to the wolves when I learned how to do nails. So my goal is to also do the same thing with my students. I want you in here. I want you working. And you have to have tough skin in this industry. So I really do want to have, again, have an encouraging environment. And if it goes too far, we're a customer, you know, you know how customers can be. But the goal is to properly train and have you ready to go out into the world and work in a salon. Now, for me, when I mentioned statistics, I want to say that was something that the admissions committee was impressed with. And I was happy because after I was accepted and I went into the summer program to get us ready, we were meeting with the dean of students and the vice president. And the vice president said, that's what she was looking for in the students who were going to enroll into graduate school for business. She was looking for entrepreneurs. And when I tell you everything works in favor, when you tell the universe what you want, the universe is going to respond. So you have to be ready. And here we are. Here we are. And that's my journey. And I own my journey. I'm proud of that journey. 
And I want you to own your journey. Be proud of your journey. And I thank you for listening. And I hope that this encourages you to keep going. Because this is just the beginning for me. Hey there. I know we talked about so much today. And I really want to thank you. Just thank you for being avid listeners and for checking on me throughout this entire process. I know we reached so much and it's been an hour. So I want to thank you first and foremost for sticking with me this entire time. But here's a little recap of what we talked about today. I welcomed you back with my story time and I hope to have more conversations like this. And I hope you can keep the conversation going with me. I'm at nailsbyra at gmail.com. Or if you feel like sharing your story and don't mind me sharing your story, feel free. But I did talk about owning your journey. Be proud of your journey because it is important to you and it is personal for you. And you never know, your journey might inspire somebody else. But I want to encourage you to keep going. Don't give up. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Confessions of a Nail Tech podcast. I've been your host, Rashida H. Muhammad, Nail Tech affectionately known as Ra. Make sure you tune in next week, Tuesday, for our next episode. Looking forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, subscribe to the Confessions of a Nail Tech podcast and make sure you stay in the loop by following me across the board on social media at Nails by Ra. Also visit me at www.nailsbyra.com. Until next time.